Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast, your home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to be a successful foreclosure acquisition specialist. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Donnie Corum, your Foreclosure Deals Coach, broadcasting to you from the Creative Density Studios in downtown Denver, Colorado, with my man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jonathan Winston. What's going on, Jay? You got a crowd? You brought, you brought oh my an- God, he's incredible. Look at that hair. Wow. <laughs> Folks, keep it down back there. I'm just, I'm just a producer, man. Just a producer. Wow, he's the most, he's an outgoing producer I've ever met. Let me tell you, that's, that's, that's a good <laughs> yes thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're so happy to have you guys here on the show today. We've had a lot going on in the uh, the foreclosure market. You know what's fun about shooting a podcast, though, Jay? It's just kind of people getting the message. You know, when, when I uh, I talk to somebody afterwards, they're like, you know, I listen to the show and, and I get it now. You know, because the thing is, is most everybody out there and they're, you know, example, there are 1.1 million licensed real estate agents in the United States of America. I said 1.1 million of us were the real estate license. It's kind of crowded in here. Kind of crowded, you know, and like, I love real estate agents, but you know, a lot of my friends and all of them are my competition. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So, but even then I, I, I have agents who listen to the show. Thank you guys who listen competitors or not you know i appreciate the time you spend here on the show but getting to talk to some of you guys who are getting it and starting to focus the direction of your clients activity towards good deals rather than just buying retail marketplace it means that we're making an impact to the market right and, and that's that's a good thing listen it's a small impact we're we're a little podcast based here out of denver but i feel like we're growing Right? I got a lot of listenership going on out there, and you guys and the feedback and the reviews and the questions, just keep that coming, you know, because it really does mean the world to us. I cannot thank you guys enough. All right, that's enough kissing your butt for a while. Let's, let's get, to, get to the action here, <laughs> all right? So, as always, we start our Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast with a news story of the week. Check this one out, Jay. You're going to love wow. this. Citibank, huge bank, fine. $30 million for holding on a foreclosure for too long. What? Now, I can tell you this. Citibank was like, $30 million, That's all you got. Because right? when you're dealing with banks who lend as much money as Citibank has, $30 million ain't that important to them. Right? But why were they fined, and why do you, as a listener to this podcast, care about a $30 million fine to Citibank? Because I'm going to tell you something. Citibank ain't the only one holding on a foreclosure inventory. Right? I think we've got a ton of inventory that banks are simply holding on to right now, waiting for the day that they release. And why? 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 Well, let me ask you something. If prices are going up, that means mortgages are more, correct? Correct. And if mortgages are higher, they're making more in interest, correct? Correct. So if a bunch of foreclosures hit the marketplace, will mortgages go up? Or will people finance less if prices were to come down? Uh, probably a little bit less. 
a little bit less. And follow the money, ladies and gentlemen, because I can tell you something right now. We're not dealing with one bank who's holding on to a bunch of unnecessary foreclosure inventory. You've got a whole bunch of banks who are pushing the limits a lot. Listen to this. You have a five-year limit as a large banking institution to hold on to the property before you put it out of the marketplace. But why would you let a house sit for five years? Because if you can keep thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, what we refer to as shadow inventory, off the marketplace, you can make it look like the market is better than it actually is. And if the market looks better than it actually is, ladies and gentlemen, you will all finance more properties, which means more mortgage fees, more mortgage interest, and more money for Citibank. Scoundrels. It's, it's scoundrels, man. Here, listen, I, it's capitalism, right? It, at the end of the day, Pushing the market upwards is good for Citibank. It's good for most real estate agents. One can even argue it's good for me. But here's why it's not, because I'm your foreclosure deals coach. And when that inventory hits the marketplace, it's going to be wonderful for me to help myself and my clients, the wonderful listeners of this very podcast, to swoop up those deals at well below market. But if they keep holding on to my precious inventory. Give us the inventory. I'm going to deal with you, Citibank. I'm going to deal with you. See, so we're making light of this a little bit, guys, but here's the bottom line. There is a hidden foreclosure market that's out there. What you were seeing just last week on the show, we reported that foreclosure starts are at a low they haven't seen in 20 years. Okay, that means there's not a ton of foreclosures. That doesn't mean there aren't any foreclosures, right? Mm. And the amount we're seeing hit the market is probably my opinion now, is probably a great deal below the actual number of foreclosure that should be on the market. Every week, in pretty much every county across the country, they have a trustee auction sale. Okay, And at that trustee auction sale, the properties that are coming up for foreclosure are broadcast on this list. You can go to the trustee auction right there in your county. You can walk in the courthouse, and you're going to see the properties that are being foreclosure sale. This list is almost always... 50 to 100 properties long. Why then are you only seeing two or three or four foreclosures hitting the market? Well, the reason you're only seeing a certain percentage of those hitting the marketplace is because the bank says it takes a little time to prep the property for sale, to find an agent to list the property, and then to get it sold. And there's some truth to that. Listen, banks are not in the property restoration business, right? They do want to get the maximum they can for the property when they put it on the market. So banks have gotten a little smarter over the years, and they gussy them up a bit, you know? They paint them. They carpet them a little bit. They want to maximize their return because at a really hot market like this, people generally don't want to buy ugly houses. They figured it out. So that takes some time. But the other reality is, guys, that by keeping these foreclosures off the market, by denying there are this many foreclosures available, they can keep the market artificially inflated for at least a little while longer. Right? And this is good news if you're a seller in the market right now because you need that artificial inflation. But it's kind of bad news if you're a buyer, which is why the department that regulates Citibank stepped in and said, no, you can't hold on to this foreclosure inventory forever. That needs to be put out there because it needs to be available to would-be home buyers to keep prices in check. As long as inventory is low, and in certain states, Colorado Springs, Colorado being one of them, Denver, Colorado close by, the inventory is so low that it's nearly impossible 
to find a house at a reasonable price because there's just so few houses, you know? So these regulatory authorities, in this case, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, I don't, I don't know who those people are, but pretty it's a really cool office. It's a pretty cool office, right? They, they're the comptroller of the currency. Okay. Says to Citibank, we found 200 homes that you kept past the 500, the, sorry, the five years that you're allowed to keep the property. And they find them $30 million. Now, does that seem like a, a warranted fine for 200 houses? It's that? weird, right? Here's here's why here's why it is because they know there's way more than two hundred of them, right? Okay. They found two hundred of them, yeah. but the truth of the matter is the OCC, the Comptroller Currency Office, a probably needs the money, right? That, that, that's that's real, and secondly, they know the damage goes well beyond that, and I'd be willing to bet if you go deep into the other banking institutions that have foreclosed, you're going to find a lot of the same, a lot of them pushing it. And even if they're not in violation of that rule, five years? So just think about it, foreclosures that happened over five years ago still sitting in the bank's inventory waiting to hit the marketplace. Right? It doesn't take long to realize that if there's just a normal foreclosure rate, a couple percent a year, and you wait five years to put those properties on the marketplace, what you're setting yourself up for is a huge surge in foreclosure inventory hitting the market all at once. Now, in and of itself, a surge in foreclosure inventory would be good news. It would put some affordable houses on the market. It would make things easier for people who want to buy a deal. So that's not bad. But if it all happens at once, it can tend to tip the scale the other way, damaging even retail homes from being able to be sold. You see, when you're selling your property, the appraiser has to use the comparable sales, we call them comps for short, in your neighborhood to determine what your house is worth, right? And if a bunch of homes were foreclosed at the same time, what you have is an effect on the retail market, and if that tips the scale too far the other direction, the guy that paid retail, who needs to get out of his home, right, but owes too much of the property because of foreclosures bringing his property values down, is now finds himself in trouble, and the foreclosure market ensues, right? So the key and the reason why this division exists at all is to make sure that that scale never gets tipped. Right? to try to keep some kind of balance between foreclosure inventory and retail inventory. We need that balance. You see what I'm saying? Right? But that balance is being taken away, and I believe that's been true for the last part of the five years. Right? We've been doing that anyway, because it doesn't make a ton of sense why there are so few foreclosed homes on the marketplace. Even by a normal foreclosure rate, we're definitely not seeing enough of them. So why am I sharing all this with you? Because if you're a savvy consumer and you understand that when all of this inventory comes out, they're not going to hold it forever, guys. they got to get rid of it eventually. Mm -hmm. If they decide to plow all that stuff on the market at the same time, there will be a negative impact on what happens to the market at that moment. You know, So we just got to plan ahead. It, this is not... Listen, the purpose of the foreclosure deals show is not to be doom and gloom or to scare you into action of any sort, but rather to prep you for the inevitability of a market correction. 
you know? And if you know that market correction is coming, if you knew with absolute certainty the stock market was going to dive 30% in the next two weeks and you had a bunch of money in stocks, you'd do something about it, right? Either I would hope so. You, I, I would hope so, too. Either you would start selling off your portfolio, yeah. right? which may be the right answer for some of you. Maybe you, you're in a house where you're starting to realize it is time to do the sell-off. It can't stay this high forever. This is one of the best times ever to sell. I'm not encouraging you to sell if you love your home, but if you're thinking about this from an investment angle, it might be time. What you definitely should be doing is looking at buying property at the bottom of the marketplace, right? And you should be looking at it because Every now and then, one is popping up on the market. That's a logical buy. We see them daily, not as many as we should have with the likes of Citibank out there holding on to inventory, but it's definitely out there. You just need an agent who's in tune with the foreclosure market to make sure that you're finding the best deals in the marketplace. Certainly, that's what we want to do here on Foreclosure Deals Coach. So I thought that article was super interesting. Check out the Facebook page and all the details of what's going on with Citibank and their $30 million problem. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show, though. Today, we're going to talk about what should be fixed on your foreclosure property. Because when you get a property, if you watch those darn flipping shows, and I got to tell you, that was one of like the biggest banes to my existence as a foreclosure investor. Because <laughs> everybody and their mama wanted to jump in. I saw it on TV. Looks awful easy. I can do that. Yeah, that yeah. Listen, man, they don't show the whole process of flipping a house. They got to fit a flip into a 30-minute episode. <laughs> Right? This is like bubblegum or cartoons for real estate investors. And when, uh, and I love Than, by the way, so I'm not knocking Than or any other group. You know, just, just in case you're listening, Than, you and I are cool. Yeah. But when Than Merrill blows into town here, it gets all these people riled up about, I'm going to be a real estate investor. And they're watching A&E's flip this house where Than got his start. The, what Than fails to show you, what these shows fail to show you, is the process that is flipping. All you see is this ugly house, a guy with a sledgehammer, fast forward, five minutes, commercial break, gorgeous house, $50,000 profit. Man, that's so easy. I can do that. <laughs> and listen, you can't. Right? And this is not for me to tell you this is something you, that can't be done. What it is to tell you is you've got to know what to improve versus what not to improve. So I'm working with this wonderful group of ladies who are doing their first flip, and they bought this house in the downtown Denver area, gorgeous home, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying they got in way over their head. Right, so suddenly this flip this house show, the realities of that are starting to to set in. They had about a fifty thousand dollar budget. They're pushing in the seventy five, eighty grand. It's like a boat taking on water. You could see the very panic in their eyes as to what to do next. Well, being that I've been flipping houses for over fifteen years, I can step in, look at the marketplace at large, and go, here's what this property needs to look like in order to be saleable at the price you are trying to get. Because, guys, that's what really matters, right? If you're in the $200,000, $300,000 segment, you have to build your house so it looks like a $200,000 or $300,000 house. Now, I know the flipping shows show them putting in gold-plated faucets and helicopter landing pads and, yeah, you know, yeah. automated robot systems that open yeah, the door and stuff yeah. like that. But in reality, if you over-improve the house, you're at just as much risk as if you under improve the house hmm. right there's this target range somewhere off center where you got to figure out where you need to be to be in line with the market conditions that surround you 
So more homework needs to go into what happened in your marketplace than what you want to do to the property that you just bought. Does that make sense? And this is true whether you're going to live in the house for several years, mm -hmm. right? I know you love your house, but if you go and put a $25,000 theater room in a $300,000 house, I will come hang out with you because your place is hot. <laughs> no doubt about that. But I also know you ain't getting any of that money back, <laughs> right? Because your neighborhood can't hold a $25,000 theater room. Now, it's your home, and if you want to over-improve it, who am I to tell you not to? Pass me the guacamole. <laughs> Touchdown. Yeah. It's like I can see the future on a screen. It's so big. Um, <laughs> I love theater rooms, but you got to watch over improvement, right? You've got to improve your house to where the market can bear. And if you want, if you've got this inkling to do this massive remodel on your entry level home, I'm going to advise you right now as your friend and foreclosure deals coach, resist the urge and just go buy another house. Right? If you're thinking addition, stop. Stop thinking addition. Additions <laughs> don't make sense. Okay? Spending $40,000 to add 400 square feet to your home can be done at a much better rate to just buy a home that is 400 square feet bigger than the one you have now. Yeah, right? Yeah, and I hate moving, sense. and you hate moving, but I hate losing money even more. Don't you? I definitely do. So we've got to focus on what's going to make the house saleable. Now, there are certain cases where adding a bedroom, finishing the basement, doing certain things will maximize your return. But if you've not done a proper analysis on the rehab on your property, be it a foreclosure, be it a primary residence, whatever, you are one step behind. Don't fall victim to these flipping shows that make it look so easy. Because I can tell you countless times, I walked into a house once, the whole neighborhood is selling for $235. This one house is there for $279. I'm like, I got to go see this and see what this guy is on. right? <laughs> so I waltz into the property, and I have to tell you, gorgeous. I mean, granite countertops, wolf appliances. Wow. He even put a vehicle lift in the garage. It was sick. And I'm like, so this house is wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Where'd you come up with the 279? He's like, well, I bought it for 230 and I spent $40,000 fixing it. So I figured it's worth that now. <laughs> Wrong. Incorrect. He ended up selling that house for 255 taking about a $20,000 loss. Okay. Because I don't care what you put into a property. If it's not in line with the neighborhood comparable sales, you will not get the money back out. Right now, I should I should caveat that a bit. Theoretically, you can ten years in the future. Right, the market continues to go up. Maybe eventually it'll catch up with your gold-plated faucets and helicopter landing pad down the road. Okay, but in the real near future, probably not. Okay, so don't do that. Before you set forth on a remodeling project, if you are going to do so for any other reason but because you love the property, and if you love your home, listen, I'm not knocking it. I personally don't have an attachment to homes like a lot of people do. For me, I'm kind of looking for the next one because that's what I do. But if this is your favorite place to live and you're just 100% certain you're never going to move, you're probably wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, if you believe that down to your core... Do whatever you want to the property. However, if you're thinking like a sharp investor, and I know you are because you're listening to this show right now, if you're thinking like somebody who wants to make money on houses down the road, whether it's your property or a property you bought as an investment or as a rental property, you need to watch where you improve it. 
So how do you get this kind of data? Well, two things. One, you can scour the market for sold comps. You can look at everything that's sold or is under contract in the past year. You'll start to see a good amount of data on what is selling property in your neighborhood, and you want to improve at that level. You don't want to exceed that level. You want to improve to that level, maybe even just a little bit below it, believe it or not, okay? However, if you don't want to take the time to do that, that's what us foreclosure specialists do for a living, right? Hire the right agent. Get somebody who understands their local marketplace, wherever you happen to be in the country. Listen, I'm not going to sit here at a show in Denver, Colorado, where I believe I'm a pretty solid expert on properties in Denver, and I know a lot about properties in Colorado Springs, and I could probably tell you a great deal about Pueblo or Fort Collins, Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. But if you ask me to evaluate a house in Dallas, Texas, I'm going to struggle a little bit. Right? Because I don't know that market as well. So the idea behind dealing with a local agent who knows not the real estate market, because remember, there are 1.1 million licensed real estate agents, but rather the investment market. What's the proper improving level? And I swear to you, before you step foot in Home Depot and have a heyday with that $10,000 with no payments for six months, you better talk to somebody and make sure you ain't improve, over improving that house. Right? That's just my advice wait, to you today. Wait, before you spend all of that money, please. <laughs> yeah, call somebody and find out how far you can go. This is good right? advice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I pride myself on good advice. I, I, I certainly hope it is. So improve to where the neighborhood will support it. If you're in a million-dollar neighborhood, you can probably afford to spend $100,000 on a renovation. You know, If you're in a $300,000 neighborhood, you probably cannot. And that really is my point. Know how far you want to go. And listen, don't fall victim to the guy across the street who puts in that $25,000 home theater system. Man, I really want that. Listen, he's going to have a lot of fun with his home theater. You can go over and hang out with him anytime you want if you guys are buddies. But don't put yourself in the same investment crisis that that individual is in. Improve the house with the neighborhood with support and not beyond it. And that's important advice whether you're a retail buyer, a foreclosure buyer, a buy and hold investor. Whatever you're looking to do, it is so important if you're going to improve the property that you improve it to where it's supposed to be. And there are some wonderful cues out there. Paint colors go in trends. You can go to your parade of homes there in your local neighborhood and find out that today, in Colorado anyway, the big hot color is gray. Who would have thought? Like for years it was beige. Oh right? Gosh. Prior to that it was white. So you've gone from white to beige to gray. Who knows what the next trend is going to be? But try to be trendy if you like it. Yep. Right? Don't over-improve it and find yourself a happy medium between building a home for yourself and protecting the most valuable investment you have in your entire existence, your primary residence. Does that make sense? See, because I want to see you guys do well on that sale. Because as wonderful as that house is, as long as you are making payments on that house to a bank, that house is not yours. I know you lived there. I know you have the keys. I know the deed has your name on it. But it ain't yours until you paid it off. Right? And until you've paid it off, you're using funny money, bank money, monopoly money to finance that property. You better use that money wisely because they'll give you a lot more of it if you're wise with what they give you. On the flip side, if you go and put 24-inch rims on your 86 Taurus, there's a pretty good shot you ain't going to get another car loan. You see what I'm saying? And, and we have that problem out there. Over-improving is a problem across the board. <laughs> right? That was a terrible visual image. Like I'm still, I'm still trying to get that out of my head. Taurus, yuck. That was terrible, right? Just they got, they're spinning, they're spinning. Um, 
So that's my advice for y'all today. Don't overimprove. Get the advice of foreclosure specialists. If you can't find someone in your local market, if you're right here in Colorado, please reach out. I'm your foreclosure deals coach right here in Colorado, but I've got agents all across the country who are investment specialists who can help you to buy a great deal on a property and then prove it to the right level so you don't overdo it. With that, guys, I think we're out of time for the day. Is that right, John? Are yeah, we running out? I think we're about it. Pretty about close. It. All right. Hey, listen, I do appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, if you want to join in the conversation, join up with us at the Foreclosure Deals Coach Facebook page. Just search Facebook for Foreclosure Deals Coach. Reach out. Shoot me a, uh, a Twitter. You can uh, tweet. You can tweet me there. Donnie Corum. Hashtag Donnie Corum. I'd love to hear from you. What do you want to talk about in the foreclosure marketplace? We want to be a part of that. And as always, listen, you're going to be out there looking for houses anyway. I know that because you listen to the show. you got better things to do when you hear me talk. If you're not interested in real estate. So if you are going to go out there and shop for a property, here's one requirement that we have to listen to the show. Don't buy a house. Buy a deal. With that, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. We'll catch you guys in the next time. Who you was, where you got here Only God can judge me, so I'm gone Either love me or leave me alone